0: Sports Talk continues with Jimmy Hyams and John Wilkerson. We are here, downtown Knoxville, at the Downtown Grill and Brewery. The Bash Bama Poker Tournament is underway. And before we say hello to Gerald Hodges, we'll say congratulations to Glenn. Glenn heard the winning word, or heard the cue to call for the winning word. He had the right word, which was quarterback, and now he's the proud owner of a gift card of $50 to New Balance Knoxville. Congratulations, Glenn. We appreciate you playing and congratulate you on winning. And, of course, you'll have that opportunity this upcoming weekend as well. Look at Time now to say hello to SEC replay official Gerald Hodges as he joins us. As it is a Monday, his appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Gerald, how are you? Doing well, John. Doing well, Jimmy. Good to see you. All. Good to see you. How do you like being
1: down here? And- hey, this is nice. Yeah. It really is. It's are you great. a
0: poker player at all?
1: Oh, no. They'd take everything I had before I get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'd walk
0: out of here in a barrel. <laughs> I was playing
1: solitaire on my phone waiting. To- <laughs> I don't even win at that.
0: <laughs> Very nice. Well, we always look forward to, Gerald, breaking down any situations you might have questions about in regards to the rule book or something that you saw as it played out over the weekend. So 656-9900 is how you join us.
2: Gerald, I wanted to ask you about a play I saw in the LSU-Florida game, uh, and I think this was adopted based on what the NFL does. In the NFL, there's a rule that if you go for a sack, you cannot hit the quarterback in the knee or lower on the sack attempt provided you're not blocked into him or something
1: like that, that's, right? That's correct. If the quarterback is in a passing position, mm-hmm. in other words, not a runner, uh, you cannot hit him at the knee or below unless you're blocked into him, mm-hmm. that type of thing.
2: Uh, in the LSU-Florida game, in my opinion, the Florida quarterback in the pocket in a passing position was hit by an LSU player, and he was hit slightly below the hip. And they threw a flag, and they said he hit him too low. Um, and i i didn 't think the call was correct, but is that a reviewable play on a hit like that
1: no it is not it 's not reviewable
2: okay uh, and i don 't know if the official was impeded, but I thought he hit him in the right below the hit but it 's got to be the knee or below correct, correct? on a hit That's like correct. that uh-huh. okay I thought so uh, There was another play uh, that I wanted to ask you about uh and and that involved the um, uh, Brian Mauer, Tennessee quarterback. So uh, he was hit, had an awkward fall, landed on his head, uh, kind of stumbled when he got up, and then he, he kind of ran back into the, the huddle. Uh, the next snap he hands off and he kind of stumbled down. Then he handed off again they he threw an interception. But uh, uh, take us through the process of it. Now, he did suffer a concussion. He didn't play after the third snap. Uh, he had the concussion, played three snaps, didn't play thereafter. What's the protocol on that? Is, is there a – does the SEC have a medical official in the press box to see uh, if, if that player had an issue and then maybe calls down to the, the referees to say, hey, we got to watch this guy?
1: Right. In actuality, they are actually in our replay booth. Okay. And they have their own monitor. Uh, they can r- run it back, you know, any particular play if something looks suspicious. Uh, but they, they will look at that. They also have a phone right down to the uh, – the team bench, both teams, mm-hmm. and, and all SEC conference conference games, both teams, you know, agree to use the medical observer. Visiting conference teams have the option to opt out, but most of them like to have Prefer it. Prefer it for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so if a play happens on the field and the, the medical observer, you know, looks at it or, oh, uh, you know, catches it, and then. He immediately has me shut the game down. The instant okay. replay official will shut. You know, if the, you know, if the training staff or the team physicians don't see it on the field, it's hard to see it field level. Right. So if he's if he suspects the player needs to be evaluated, come out of the game, then he'll have the replay official shut the play down. Just you know, immediately, and all what they will say is uh, it's a medical stop, and then they will contact the the personnel on the sidelines and say get number so-and-so take him out of the game and you know check him out
2: is that a this year situation or was that that's adopted been last in, year that's right.
1: actually been in jimmy i won't say four or five years oh in the really SEC. yes
2: for a medical observer right. four or five uh-huh. years yeah uh is this collaborative replay the birmingham guys can they call in and say hey we see something here you need to stop this. Can he? Can they consult with the medical observer during the course of the game?
1: They are not connected. I'm sure if it's something serious, uh, they might say something to us, and we could have him check, you know, check his monitor there on that.
2: What about the a team's medical staff? Are they also involved in trying to see? Now, sometimes they could be working on a player sure. on the side, maybe not see it, but but is there a hope that they might see? Uh, something that's questionable and say hey we need to stop the game
1: yes and i think a lot of times and it's it's never brought up because there's not a stop i'm sure there are many instances where the trainers will have a player come out so they can you know evaluate him and in your years as a replay official have you had a medical observer stop a game not in one of my games interesting that there aren't that many uh so uh, but I haven't had one in, I, actually, four or five years they've been in the booth. Okay. And I may be off a year or two there. But.
0: If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Alan joins us. Hi, Alan. How are you?
3: Well, it's great to be at Tennessee vol.
0: Well, I don't disagree. And, and
3: fun. Yeah. Hey, um, Gerald, uh, the no, Tennessee, Texas-Oklahoma game, uh, you know, there was a scuffle or whatever before the game, and I read that a couple of the referees um, got banged up maybe a little bit. And I, I was just curious when when your all's responsibility starts, um, you know, do sure. you have to jump in the middle of that, or can you just sit there and take names and wait and for the coaches it, and the police to, you know, do it? It would
1: be prudent. Um, it would be prudent not to jump in the middle of one of those. Yes. Oh. Uh,
3: yeah. I mean, uh, what 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 if somebody you know tried to jump in the middle of the vol walk two hours early? When does your job officially start? As okay. A r- our r- r- job r-
1: official. Our job or our jurisdiction officially starts one hour before kickoff. If you go to a game live, you will notice that uh, several officials will come out when the, they have a countdown clock in the stadium to kickoff. That, that cues the teams as to what their warm-up times and all that because they change positions on the field at certain time. So, uh, but the, the officials' responsibility starts at one hour before game time, and then you'll see officials, some, some of them, three, four or so, come out at one hour. And they'll usually station themselves right across the fifty-yard line, and then at about forty-five minutes on the clock, the rest of the crew will come out. But that—that that is one reason the the other officials come out early because they are, you know, they're looking for scuffles or anything like that. But now they're they're not there to break them up. They're they're take names, I guess. <laughs> so. uh,
3: that, another thing I, I saw uh, just on TV a few minutes ago. I'm not even sure. It might have been a high school game, but I've never seen it. Uh, a running back was, you know, heading towards the end zone and like a smaller defensive back sort of stopped him but couldn't get him to the ground. And the runner picked the defensive back up like he was carrying a bride across the threshold and ran across the goal line carrying the defender. Um, <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> – is there any rule against that? Have you ever seen that?
1: I have never seen that in way too many years of officiating. Uh, but uh, no, they're, you know, he's trying to make a tackle, and it'd be just like if the, if the defender had jumped on his back, and he just carried him on into the end zone. Uh, that would yeah. be, you know, that would be legal. He can carry <laughs> the player and the ball. He sure, sure deserves a touchdown.
3: Yeah, I, I was at a restaurant and just saw it on TV. I, I don't even know the context, but it was, it was pretty funny. Well, anyway. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Sure do appreciate it, Alan. Thank you. Jimmy, you've got television tonight. What can we look forward to on Tennessee Sports Night as you will be along with Brian Rice? We're going to
2: talk a lot about Tennessee's win over Mississippi State, the implications of it, why the defensive line was so good. Uh, We're going to talk about um, uh, the NFL, about the undefeated teams that are in the NFL, and we will have our last call discussing the Monday night football game as well as the Astros' win. Over the Yankees. All that and more on Tennessee Sports Night.
0: We've talked a lot about how great it is that the downtown grill and brewery is for making the space available for tonight's poker tournament, but we would be remiss if we didn't highlight the fact that this is a wonderful place to come for lunch. It's a great place to come for dinner. No matter what time of day or night it is, they've got you taken care of. What did you go with tonight?
2: I went with the grilled chicken salad uh, as I'm... uh, Trying to watch my weight. My weight keeps going up, so I'm trying to watch it go down. But I wanted the grilled chicken salad, but they've got such a great menu here, a lot to choose from. Uh, I'm looking at that plate that Bad Take Andy has. It looks pretty good, too.
0: Yeah, he went with the pasta. Uh, uh. They say simply pasta. It's what's for dinner. He went with the caper chicken. Sautéed uh. mushrooms, diced red onions, chopped parsley and capers uh, in some garlic butter on fettuccine noodles. Ooh. I think he has certainly won everyone else's attention at this table. He got Gerald's attention. He he did that, (laughs) and he
1: looks like he's enjoying it so much. It looks (laughs) wonderful,
0: but they've got appetizers. They've got uh, incredible entrees. They've got pizzas that you can create your own. I mentioned they've got the pasta uh, where they've got at least seven different styles of pasta. So you can do that. They've got great chicken dishes and I went with uh, what is the in-house favorite. Just always give me the classic burger. There you go. Classic burger. Checker, cheddar burger. So you can see there's something for everyone here at the downtown grill and brewery. Now, the great thing is Gerald and I have the last half hour of the program. Jimmy's going to go do television, so stay with us. We've got more coming your way on Sports Talk.
3: You know how to pass the time when you're on the job. With 45 minutes of sports every hour. 99.1, the sports animal.
0: cc replay official gerald Hodges, our guest on sports talk his appearance brought to you by ag hines company providing building materials since anyone can remember and uh, gerald you of course got to enjoy some of the fantastic fare on the menu here at the downtown grill and brewery you went with the woodruff wing i did and they were very well
1: prepared i like them just plain with some blue cheese to dip them in and they were excellent
0: well outstanding let's get right back to the phones and check in with brandon hi brandon how are you
4: uh, doing good. How you guys? Doing
0: well, good. thanks.
4: Uh, one question I had was um, you know, the Kansas City, uh, Kansas City Texas Texan game. I noticed that like, at the very, very beginning of the game, uh, the Texans threw a challenge flag because. They wanted to challenge that there was offensive pass interference on a big play that Mahomes threw. And I'm just wondering, like, when did they start being able to challenge, like, not seeing a penalty, and is that something that, you know, that might be put into college football?
1: Well, that that came about because of a missed call in the NFL playoffs. Yeah,
0: the NFC Championship Championship game. game. Between okay. the Saints and the Rams. Uh, since that went down the way it did and there was an obvious miss, coaches now have that among what they can challenge. And I'm wondering, too, John, is that offensive and defensive pass yes, it is. in the NFL? And, that, and that's either on uh, penalties called or not right. called. Okay, right. Yeah,
4: it was was not caught on the field, and then they reviewed it, and, you know, in my opinion, I I think that it should have been, but I was just, I I was baffled by that, you know, I'm not a big NFL person, Uh, you know, every now and again, I'll sit back on Sunday and watch it, but uh, college has always been mine, and, you know, I'm seeing these new things in the NFL, and... You know, it seems like college football adopts a lot of things from the NFL. And, you know, I think that that should be something that, you know, being the fact that penalties are not reviewable except for targeting, you know, I think that that should be something a coach might, you know, he have one, one one per half or however they do it, you know, to throw that flag and say, hey, you know, my guy would have caught the ball had pass interference not been there, or, you know, we would have got the yardage had it been called, you know, for missed calls like that, because there are a lot of things officials miss, and that's, that's the one thing that I I don't like that we have the review and we're not able to make it right on official calls like that on flag. Um, well, you know, that's the one right, thing with yeah, college football right, that I don't like. Right,
1: Brad. Well, the. Hey Brandon, we appreciate the call it has uh it has been discussed. I don't know it it hadn't gotten a lot of traction in the rules committee meetings in the off season uh but what you know they're trying to stay away from just purely judgment calls, but you know once you open that can of worms, then you've got holding you've got almost un you know un, unaccounted numbers of the calls, and you know you could be there all night if you Reviewed every non-call, or and, and there are there are lots of philosophies with why you don't call certain certain penalties in certain situations.
0: Yeah, and and you know what led to this, and again, Brandon, we do appreciate it. Uh, I don't think there's any question. The miscall was simply atrocious. It was. Uh, it how was. it was missed is beyond reason. But at the same time, it's a. Uh, it just I I'd, I'd be surprised if we happened to see it instituted in at the college level to where you could go in and essentially create a situation where there was none based on the actions on the field by the right. officiating crew. Right, right. So I uh, I, I, do think that that's, uh, as you mentioned, a can of worms. Right. Uh, I know everybody has the interest of getting it right. Correct. That's the whole reason you have replay. Sure. Uh, to the degree you do, but I'll be surprised if we see it any time soon that you can challenge what would be a judgment call with the exception of targeting. Right. But, Brandon, thank you very much. Let's go next to Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Doing well. How are you?
5: Good. Gerald, I have a question about uh, pregame and specifically the last couple of minutes before the pregame clock runs out. Uh, I noticed on a number of occasions from the Pride of the Southland Bands out on the field that the opposing team players are gathering in the end zone uh, where the band is. Is there any rules in place as to what the players can and can't do on the field uh, in that scenario? Uh, Just sort of irritating. It seems like it's a couple schools in particular uh, one that begins with an F that I won't call their name uh, that always seems to have a whole bunch of them together at the end of the end zone down there. The band's trying to come off. And is there any rules in that regard?
1: Actually, from the officiating standpoint, Jeff, there is not. Uh, that's, you know, that is something that would be probably handled by the, the conference on a conference level with school administration. Um, you know, they we, we have enough trouble getting a coin toss off at three minutes on the clock. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, that's one of our big things. And then, of course, TV kind of dictates from there on once it gets inside three minutes uh, as far as when they'll actually kick off. But uh, uh, we don't, you know, that's not, in our, uh, that's not in our realm of uh, responsibilities. Uh, thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Sure do appreciate it, Jeff. If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. We also saw some preventive officiating uh, with the Texas-Oklahoma game. I actually thought this is where Allen was going, but before the start of the Red River showdown, everybody, every player was assessed an unsportsmanlike conduct call based based on their scrap that they got into pregame. Uh, have you been a part of anything like that when you were on the field? Well, unfortunately,
1: we didn't have that rule. I I was a part of a very big skirmish uh, several years back. Uh, but uh, they were quite a few fights going all over the field pregame. And then last this past year, it came in the rule book that, you know, if you have two unsportsmanlike fouls, you're ejected from the game. So – they found that a very effective way to uh, curtail that, so they give every player on both teams one unsportsmanlike. So the very next one, then they're ejected from the game. So that's been a pretty big deterrent. And uh, in fact, I don't know there might there might have been an instance this year where somebody just forgot and picked up a second, uh, and then. Uh, but uh, it, that really calms things down quite a bit.
0: Uh, there was uh, another situation in the Big 12. Uh, in fact, the conference today has already admitted that there was a mistake made in the overtime between Baylor and, uh, and, I believe, Oklahoma State where the center snapped the ball. It hit him as he was trying to deliver the ball in a shotgun snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was ruled was that it was a false start penalty it was recovered by oklahoma state uh, and but they said that it was instead of being a turnover it was ruled a false start or illegal snap and while there are rules that certainly would qualify for the ruling of illegal snap they said since the center snapped the ball and essentially hit himself in the backside with it on the shotgun snap that it should not have been ruled an illegal snap and that it should have been a turnover
1: Okay, the an, an illegal an illegal snap or, or a legal snap is when in one continuous motion the center snaps the ball and it leaves his hand. You've seen sometimes where they'll move the ball really quick and hold on to it. Yes, that would be definitely an illegal snap. You'd probably have to see it, but if the ball left his hand, it might be an errant snap. But yeah. you know, uh, it's one. There again, you just have to see, but
0: but the it, the way it was ruled on the field was that again it was a false start illegal yeah, snap right. instead of a turnover which the game uh, wound up continuing and uh, the team that had recovered that what would have been or should have been according to the Big 12 a turnover instead uh, was not allowed to stand and they lost so they didn't uh, keep the ball though, they which, did not keep the okay. ball yeah that's a tough way to lose a game yes it is <laughs> Uh, let's, let's see. Why don't we go ahead, we'll grab a break, and be back with a final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk. Again, this is the, our segment with SEC replay official Gerald Hodges, his appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. A final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk is next. From the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting. A
3: real woman could stop you from drinking.
0: It has to be a real big one. This is Sports Radio WNML. Final segment to today's edition of Sports Talk. I'm John Wilkerson with Gerald Hodges. Let's go to the phones and check in with Ray. Hello, Ray. Hello,
5: John. Hello, Gerald.
0: Hey, uh, Ray. Good
5: afternoon. I, uh... That was my alma mater that got uh, <clears throat> screwed uh, Saturday on that Fumble problem. But anyway, um, I had a question. I've watched a lot of college football this, this fall, and I've noticed there appears to be a lot of situations where the offense lines up, and there's only two players on, the, on one side of the center, and there's four lined up on the line, on the left side, let's say on the right and the left, on the, on the other side of the line, two of those being wide outs way wide. And both those wide outs go downfield. And have they changed the rule this year to allow unbalanced lines and for receivers to release off of that?
1: Well, they've always been able to run an unbalanced line, Ray, but the key is you have to have at least seven men on the line of scrimmage and five of them have to be numbered 50 through 79, and they are ineligible by number even though they're on the end of the line. So if you have the two wideouts out there, one of them should be back off the line a a yard, and then that that would make both of them legal to go down. If they're both on the line scrimmage, even though they have legal numbers, that inside man is considered to be covered up. So he can't go down, only the outside one. So there may be a little bit of stagger in there. uh, And the reason being, it just confuses the defense. If they both go down, they know that typically an interior lineman can't go downfield. So uh, that's why that works.
5: When I've seen that on TV and I see the two receivers released, I just assume it's got to be a running play because they couldn't throw to the inside receiver. So Anyway, it it just seems like looking at TV that there's two guys on one side, Two guys on the other and then two wide players that appear to be lining up on the line of scrimmage. But maybe they're right. not, and I'm just, I'm yeah. just not seeing
1: the right angle. But Well, that's, I mean, that's a that's a very good observation because if there are two out there and they're both actually on the line of scrimmage and they go downfield, uh, they're usually going to get flagged for an ineligible downfield if they indeed throw it. Now, they can throw that ball behind the line of scrimmage. As long as the pass doesn't cross the line of scrimmage, they can any number can go downfield. So, but they've got to be really careful that that ball is touched initially beyond the high, beyond the line of scrimmage, and that the line of scrimmage officials are looking at that every play. Anytime there's a pass, uh, you know, thrown down near the line of scrimmage, unless it, it frees the blockers to go down. Okay.
5: Well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your time.
0: Yes, sir. Ray, we sure do appreciate it. Have a great night. One of the things we saw is that uh, Jeremy Pruitt was very unhappy with the situation as it unfolded. He thought that Tennessee was called for a holding call when it should have been benefiting from a holding call against Mississippi State. Uh, But have you been in that position where, and it's the side judge that you feel for, when there is a coach that is just reading somebody the riot act? And I mean, just laying into them how difficult is it to be in that position when a coach is just wearing you out
1: well i was a side judge and i was a field judge which they're the same deep positions on the field and at that position you spend a lot of time in the team area and uh, you just you just but john you got to realize these these coaches are under tremendous pressure and what we try to do, we try to answer any questions, and uh, that's a big thing. You know, none of the coaches like to feel like they're being ignored, mm-hmm. nor, nor anybody in life doesn't, you know, doesn't like to be ignored. And we try to answer their questions as best we can. And uh, then, you know, if something happens over on the other side of the field, I've, I've told the coach many times, you know, what went on over there. And I said, Coach, I'm not sure, but I'll find out. And I always came back and reported to him. And it makes a big difference, and uh, so you just got you got to realize, you know, you've got to stay calm as, as best you can in the chaos. And you know they're they're going to vent, and that's that's fine.
0: That's part of it. Was there a magic word, or what was what was it when you perhaps said, "Okay, that's enough"? I mean, Rocky used to talk about how he would say every. It, when he hit the limit, he would just say, would you like to repeat what you just said? That's <laughs> a good phrase. Uh, but there there were times
1: when I would say, you know, okay, coach, you know, we're through talking, you know. Although I wasn't talking, I was listening. But there becomes a point, and uh, normally they, you know, they realize it. And they they usually have an assistant tugging on their belt also. <laughs> <to> keep <them. laughs> Of course, but now one thing that's helped is in the last, you know, couple of years, the new rule about – they cannot come on that field and protest a call, and uh it was uh that was a big help and uh, I know uh there were a couple called that first year, and then they're they're a lot more careful about it. They look down, and see where their feet are, how far they can talk but uh,
0: is that an area of the game where there's any room for interpretation from the replay booth as well to where perhaps the crew didn't see? Maybe a coach going onto the field to uh to protest a call or or is that something that remains crew only It's crew only, and the good
1: thing about it, if the crew doesn't see it, they don't hear it i mean you don't hear the side if you hear the sidelines, you won't be there alone okay and uh, so if they don't see it, then that's you know
0: they're not going they're not going out looking for it literally all right. But, Gerald, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Uh, You make Mondays a lot of fun. Hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next Monday. All right. Look forward to it. Sure do appreciate it. So that is SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. His appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember.